Hey guys, welcome back to the Nasty Scene Podcast. I'm going to be rolling these out again, and I'm very excited to be bringing them. The bodybuilding show, or the bodybuilding season, is getting well and truly underway. Shows are coming sort of thick and fast. We're getting pretty deep into the qualifiers now for the 2018 season, so I definitely want to be getting more and more people on the podcast, especially competitors that are featuring heavily in this year's shows. And, and this guy at the other end of the call is certainly one of them, definitely one to be looking out for for this year. Um, so I'm speaking today with Ben Howard. Um, ben is a WMBF pro. He's got something that I want. <laughs> and he's, yeah, he's also a very, 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 very good bodybuilder in my opinion. He's not you know, there's there's plenty of unfortunate like there's plenty of pros out there in, in you know, several federations that potentially have gotten pro cards at, you know, lower caliber shows and things like that, which, you know, they're still pros in their own right, but the way you have to earn it through the UK, um, is especially hard. And I'm sure Ben Ben will maybe speak about that at some point, but it is a very difficult process to earn your pro card through just competing through at UK shows. Um, you either have to win the overall at the, the UK finals, uh, which is a very hard task, especially you know for someone like Ben being a middleweight, that was potentially not the way he was going to win it. Um, or you have to win your class at the amateur worlds. So you go up against everyone else um, and you win your class there, um, which Ben did. Um, so yeah, an awesome opportunity to speak to Ben. So Ben, for anyone that sort of doesn't know about you, I, t I guess just give us a little bit of a background um, who you are and potentially sort of what you got, how you got into the sport initially. That would be great. Cool. Yeah. Thanks for having me on it, AJ. Um, yeah. So I've been competing for this will be my fourth season, but over the course of 10 years, sure. um, I first started as a junior like yourself um, at 19. I'm going to be 29 this year. Um, and well. yeah, I've just kind of yeah made my way through the rank every few years, competed um, onto the novice uh, Britain UKDFBA. Sure. I won that in fourteen, um, and then on to uh, two thousand and sixteen, had a really good year. Uh, yep. As you said, I won my qualifier, which I was kind of bowled over. Just just that was the goal, you know, to win um, my class at the qualifier. Do you take uh, the overall of that show? I did, yeah. yeah, yeah. That was the heart of England in '16, and um, that was the first first time I actually really started believing in maybe my capabilities as a, a natural bodybuilder. Took that um, long, jeez. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's crazy, <laughs> really. Cause you're always such a self-critical sport, isn't it? Yes. Yeah. Um, but yeah, then went on to the finals, um, won that as well, um, and earned a place on the UK team. Lee, um, you know, look. A great friend of mine and he yeah he put, put me on the team um won the middleweight title but competed at the world as a lightweight um so the weight splits were a little bit different there so that that was actually in my favor what's the difference ben um, out of interest I, I weighed half a pound difference between the two okay so i can't off the top of my head Cause... i think the cutoff was there was a guy that was a couple of kilos heavier than me right at the Worlds, um, but there was also, a, I think, there was a guy that was three kilos heavier than me at the UK as well. Ooh, um, okay. So, maybe yeah. Maybe it's like 160, maybe it's like low 160s at Worlds, because I know it's 154 at 
obviously the Briton being 70 kilos for a lightweight. Yeah, um, yeah. And then it's 70 I mean, to 80 for middleweight. what they do at the Worlds is they, they, they take everyone on the day and they just kind of split it into thirds, which is good. Uh, so that they make it really even. They do that in the pros as well. I so see. So that it actually, okay. actually changes from year to year. Okay. You can have somebody who's a, a middle one year and is, a, you know, right at the bottom of the middles or at the top of the lights, you know. So oh, you can't me. aim yeah. for an exact number. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that, I mean, that was a fantastic trip. And that, you know, that is the pinnacle so far of my competition. You know, won the world title. Um, I came second in the overall. Um, and the top two were winning their WMF Pro cards. I see that's how it worked so, that year, is it? Okay. Yeah, yeah. The year before, I think it was top three. I um, can't quite remember how they worked that out, but it was it was something based on the amount of competitors in there, right. um, and being you know they they wanted to give every every world champion a pro card, but um, some classes were smaller, etc. So yeah, yeah it, it's usually one, two, or three maximum, okay. uh, depending on the amount of competitors in the amateur show. So. Yeah, and then this year I'm going to be competing as a pro for the first time. So uh, in the Pro International UK, the FBA, um, that's 11 weeks from now. And then the Worlds, uh, four weeks after. Um, mm. Super excited for both of those. Yeah, but, you know, yeah. It's a, such a different mindset. It's almost, <clears throat> you, you know, you have to, you know, really, you have to be the best in the country to get on that plane to L.A., um, you know the, the caliber is so high hmm. as a pro there's almost no pressure because um, you know competing at the UK's biggest pro show you can just you can just you've earned that already yes you know yeah. and that it's fantastic most of the time it's three sessions a week so Jesus yeah man. always has been always That's has been mad so it's crazy isn't it I'm, I'm interested I mean we'll just we'll just flow into things and see how it takes us but I'm I'm interested like how how do you have you tried higher frequencies of training and what do you tend to sort of see happen when you go up to higher frequencies yeah i mean w- when i first started training um like anyone really eager yeah. um, i did a typical bro split you know and i was training six days a week if not every day you know sure. for the first six months so it wasn't really you know serious squats deadlifts etc but it yeah. was um training every day you know and it, yeah, it just felt I felt run down. My recovery has always suffered. If I if I really hit the heavy compounds frequently, I can never train more than about two days in a row. Um, I don't know if that's just me. Um, it's mad. But yeah, no, I, I tend to. I've always been like a high intensity kind of guy. Yeah, I've seen, you, I've seen your training clips. Yeah, yeah. and um, I think when I first started training, I, I trained. I'd probably not heard of this type of training, but called Max OT. Um, I think I've heard of that from, um, oh, what's his name? I think one of the 3DMJ guys, I think Brad Loomis followed that initially when yes. he started. What's yeah. the guy who made Max OT popular? Wasn't he a natural? So, yeah, so there's two guys, Jeff Willett um, oh, and it. Skip LaCour as well. Yeah, and they, the they were kind of the guys. Um, they're both IFBB uh, pros, supposedly natural. And yeah. I mean, I believe they're natural. I've spoke to both of them before. Sure. Um, and they natural back then you could take pro hormones and uh some other kind of is it gaba or whatever it's called GABA. It's, yeah yeah uh, and things that are probably not not in wada standards now sure and um but they were they were phenomenal and they used to train that way mm. and that was kind of you know they last competed in 2003 mm-hmm. you know and they were shredded and big back then 
Yes. You know, Jeff Jeff Willett's the same height as me, he's five seven, and he competed at two hundred pounds. You know, uh, shredded as well. Wow. You know, um, great genetics and just the most kind of humble guy to talk to as well. He's just a, a quiet kind of Christian kind of guy from this little little town in Michigan. Oh, amazing. And um, yeah, he's not. He's one of those guys that just wouldn't wouldn't ever touch drugs or anything like that. So yeah, sure. But yeah, but they used to do this like low volume. It was something like. Big muscle groups would would get six kind of sets per week. Okay. Just just straight sets to failure and progressive, and and that's kind of how I adopted my training. And then I know uh, Brad Loomis. He is sponsored by AST. I think he's still sponsored by AST. He is. Yeah. Um, who are the? They made the Max OT program. And they sponsored those other guys as well. Mm. And uh, yeah, it just kind of built from there and and i i saw those guys i was like there's no way i read the whole program and i remember the program i printed that on it was like this thick and i, I read it and it was just like it made sense and i was like yeah i'm gonna roll with that sure and then quite a few people um on the natural scene in the uk were doing that sort of training as well john harris who who i kind of um came across first he was the first natural bodybuilder i ever heard of in fact i knew of natural bodybuilding before i even looked into bodybuilding oh wow it was strange i found That's you know the, nat- the natural <laughs> muscle forum that i still post on today yeah um that was me as a 15 year old lad going i want to look like a bodybuilder on google you know and how do i do this and then stumbled across this guy and i was like fuck like this guy can do this without drugs and he looks like that and he's the same sort of height as me and same sort of build and he, he just trains and eats and it's it's simple yeah, you know, um, and that I, I much preferred that, and I still do prefer that look, that natural look of kind of a kind of with clothes on, look kind of normal, but you look like you train and then get shredded and yeah, it's game over. Yeah, I prefer to I preferred that over these big meatheads that were walking around the gym. I agree, I agree. Yeah, I still do today. You know, the guys at the top of the natural game, I much prefer that look than the yeah. guys at the top of the Olympia game. Yeah, you know, um, as freaky as it is, and it's you know great as a you know, Spectator. it's great to watch. Yeah, it's yeah. it's kind of fascinating um, for an everyday kind of. It's not worth consuming your whole life, um, and that's kind of what I believe. Yeah, yeah, sure. And, and another guy as well, Mark Oakes, who who's still he's just kind of retired, hasn't he? Um, but yeah. he he trains that way. Um, sure. Two heavy work sets to uh, positive failure. Two or three exercises per muscle group, just at one frequency per week sure um, still still does that now and yeah. he's done it all for his career and it just i remember seeing him uh, at the first one of the first bodybuilding shows i ever went to it was the mpa uh, i think it was the mpa heart of england yeah in like and he was the 2005 british champion the, the year I, I got into uh, natural bodybuilding and yeah he was the guy and he was just rock hard rock like rock hard um, small kind of with a, a shirt on again five foot seven or five foot eight sure but it just looked freaky and i thought yeah heavy basic exercises all the way and these guys that were kind of ballooned up next to him they didn't look as hard and i think there's something to be said for that you know when you're you get these guys that are squatting deadlifting pressing silly weights um you know year in year out and they just have this crazy look on stage yeah I, I yeah. must agree, there is there is cause meets correlation there kind of happening. I, I do agree with that. I think the dense the density of the physiques just it, it just has a different yeah. look. Yeah. It has it's a not different almost, look when you dark down. 
Yeah, the, like the tape measure is is kind of the same, but it, you could have a 16-inch arm that's ballooned up and one that I always used to think, and when I looked deep into it, I always thought it was the type of um, muscle growth that you had, like mm. the, the, you know, the fast twitch versus the slow twitch More sort of thing. More genetic-based kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. It's, it, in reality, it's how lean you get. Yeah. Um, and, you know, but I, I think that, yeah, it's just it's too much of a coincidence to say, you know, that heavy basic weights just don't have that look and they, they always kind of tend to. Maybe it holds onto tissue better when you're dieting. Who knows? Maybe, yeah. Do, yeah. You, still, do you still feel there's an element of pressure being a pro? And <laughs> yeah. do you also feel like, I think when people look at your stage shots from 2016, they'll know the caliber of conditioning you brought. And it was like there was pretty much like you really wouldn't, wouldn't be removing any more body fat off of that. Um, no. Do you feel that that overwhelming pressure of that's the standard you've set and now you've kind of got to match that at least or or beat it from a you know that standpoint? Yeah, yeah. There's an element of that. I mean, I I definitely I would never compete unless I was better than I was before. Sure. Hence, I never compete two years in a row or anything like that. I always have at least two years off. Yeah. Um, and it's just the, the belief that you are, you will be better um, is kind of enough to really push you all the way. But yeah, there, there is that, there's that pressure. I would never want to, it would be, you know, soul destroying to go for a whole contest prep. You know what it takes, puts a lot of pressure on um, the, the body and obviously all the people around you as well. Yeah. yeah. Um, so to do all that and then turn up and then just be like, nah, it was not as good as he used to be. Yeah. Yeah. That would, that, that would propel you you know backwards pretty pretty far so yeah no there, there's a little bit of pressure but at the same time i know that everybody who i'm going to be competing against is a world champion or um, one a pro show or a season pro and there's almost no you know i, I i'm competing to win all the time but mm, of course there's no pressure to you know to, to um, i know i'm a brand new pro as opposed to a a good amateur yeah, you know. absolutely. I think that, I think that makes sense. And from from the off season perspective, in terms of having having the consistent year out between competition, do you, do you find that hard at all? Do you really enjoy the process of prep more than you enjoy the off season, or do you enjoy both and don't really find it that hard to take time off? I mean, training wise, um, I only train three or four days per week, so I I'm never demotivated to train. I'm always fresh. I'm always ready, and I'm. I love my training. You know, it's sure. it's always going to be a part of me, whether I'm, you know, on holiday, whether I'm at home. It, it's just what I enjoy doing. Um, my time, and it's a bit of therapy, really, as well. You know, yes. it's time away, and you know that one hour you can absolutely crush it, pour everything into it, and, and accomplish something. Um, there's no other feeling like it. So. Training is fine, um, and after my last contest, I've I've never been as motivated, you know, <laughs> knowing that I can compete as a pro now, and I know it, it's game on. You know, you've really got to every day counts. Um, as you know, you you are smashing every day yourself at the moment now. Um, after Thank your you. world win, you you know that every meal is a you know another step towards that title, that pro yeah. card. Yeah. you know and every training session really counts every rep counts that other people aren't going to be doing and um, there is that element as a as an amateur you know that there's going to be people that are turning up just to you know put it on their instagram or just to you know tell their friends that they're a bodybuilder you know yeah but yeah. At, at the pros it's it's they, they've lived it for decades you know and 
they're, they're the best. Yeah. But yeah. yeah, in terms of in terms of diet, yeah, we'll go into that. Um, I, I struggle in the off season, especially after a, a grueling prep. Um, in the past, I've, 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 I mean, my last prep after the Worlds, I, I looked really good at the Worlds. You know, I was lean, um, shredded, lean. glued. Yeah, lean is, yeah, a, lean is the mean, wrong fucking word, man. <laughs> yeah, you know, I, I was ready for that contest. And then um, I, I gained over two stone of body fat in less than 10 days. And that's not that's not me oh, saying, shit, oh, yeah, dude. no, it was water. Rete- no, it was fat. Yeah, you know, yeah, I, yeah. I, I, I consumed upwards of 15,000 calories per day uh, <laughs> after that no no word of a lie if anyone that was in LA uh, at the time you know I was I was waddling around like bloated I had to sit down in between like you know stops stops at <laughs> oh, different wow. restaurants and so it was just cramming food in and it was really really bad and I've, I've made it a point this year as as important as the prep itself is the is the rebound afterwards oh. is the is the recovery um, yeah, it's, it's just not healthy, dude. Oh man, uh, no. I, and I spent the first six months battling to get back into a healthy mindset and into a healthy kind of routine. Yeah, I no knew doubt. all about the recovery diet and the the reverse diet, and yeah. you know, lots of different ways you can you can do it healthily. But I just went meh, went crazy in LA for a few days, and sure. then I went on a all inclusive holiday for a week with the family. Oh, and awful it was idea. Buff- yeah. yeah. I'm not going to be doing that again directly after a show. You need to be in a good mindset before you can smash a buffet and say, oh, that's enough. Yeah. But yeah, it was basically like filling up to the point of having to lie on a sun lounger to digest food, to get back to the buffet. To and It just, yeah, it was like that for a week. Yeah. And yeah, yeah, it was messy. And, and, and do you, do you, do you ever see that sort of relationship with food ever transfer a little bit into your prep? And do you find ever it difficult to, you know, maybe adhere to the the, the diet and things like that. I mean, at the, the end of the day, you got into the best condition that, you know, a lot of people have ever laid their eyes on, mate. So it, it's not like you struggled to get into condition, but have you ever had phases in your diet where you thought, fuck, I really can't hold off eating it's, food at this point? Because of the um, obsessiveness of diet, like I don't deviate from a plan. It's mm. It's... I have my meals, I eat my meals, um, it's very easy to weigh foods out and track them and everything else and, you know, I find that super easy. Sure. Like, not, not you know, there's hard hard days and everything yeah. else, but like, in You're terms quite regimented, of, aren't you, with the way yeah, that you very, approach Yeah, very food. much so, and I, yeah. I do I do struggle when that regiment, the handcuffs are off a little bit. Sure. It, it does get better, and I yeah. think it's that, it is that period of when you're deprived, straight to when the handcuffs are up that's the that's the problem area for a lot of people it's not yeah. deep in the off season when you haven't really got an appetite anyway it's not um contest prep when you're focused on a goal it's when you've got no you know clear goals or or clo- you know short-term goals um and you you're it's free for all mm-hmm. you know um but yeah no i i think something like a recovery uh, period almost treating it as part of the prep yes is, is really important you know yeah. it's it, you know the end of seasons like you know November for most people you know, at least to the end of the year have a real structure even if it's too obsessive you know mm. just a bit a bit of structure to get your head straight again um, and you know get healthy and then start you know you, you can relax a little bit then yeah yeah I think so and I mean to talk on 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 my you know previous approaches I've 
I've done the whole binge. I've done the whole gain a little bit too much weight. Yeah. And I I think for me, Ben, what, what was the difference when I finished this prep is, or my sorry, my 2017 prep, was I had the weight of all the people that had followed my prep. And I knew, I just knew I really didn't want to fuck it up. Yeah, I'm so <laughs> because, glad you didn't because you've got such a following as well. And there's a lot of young guys there maybe prepping for the first time, even this year. Yeah. Um, and they are going to, you know, want what you got last year. You know, of they're going to yeah. aim for the same thing. And if they can see how you finished the prep um, in the way that you did, um, and you you were super kind of cool with it all. I, I remember seeing, like, these these posts of you going, like, right, no, gonna just I've done done with it now, you know, I'm going to bin, and then it would be like a bowl of oats, and I'm like, yes, AJ's done it. <laughs> like every day, you know, consistency. And it was for a long time after your prep, wasn't it, before you even decided to push your body weight up at all? It was, it was. I mean, I I did initially bump up a little bit just to enjoy yeah. the, the time that I spent in the States so yeah. I could actually just sort of walk around functionally and mm-hmm. feel, like, relatively alive. But yeah. that, was, that was the best part of three pounds, and, and that was enough. Yeah. That was enough to get me feeling okay, and then it was only when I got home and the euphoria started to come away a little bit mm-hmm. that when I realised that three pounds was certainly not enough to make me feel no. good. <laughs> no, at the and time though, like when you when you gain a few hundred calories, it feels like you're overeating, you yeah. know. Um, and it but does. yeah, you you realise you realise really like guilty. no, there's a lot more. Yeah, yeah, but no, it was so, it was so controlled and fair play to you. I mean, my. I, my first ever prep was very similar to my my last one yeah sure. yeah and i've gained a few stone you know they i'm i'm a, naturally i'm a, I'm a fat kid <laughs> you know, i gain i gain weight easy yeah. um, really easily but i can i'm greedy i can put a lot of food away sure you know no, no problem eating 10,000 you know the, i see these 10,000 calorie cheat meals and i think too easy <laughs> ah, it's no no problem no problem yeah. at all but yeah. um i mean yeah. i think that you're your ability to eat, especially in an off season, is actually like you know, it's, it's that's kind of a good thing because yeah. I've seen so many people. I have you know, I have clients that I work with as well that get to a point and they're still fairly lean. They've got room yeah. to grow and they've mm-hmm. just run out of room from an appetite perspective. No matter how well you structure their day um, or anything like that, they run out of room. And some people just have really poor appetites. Yeah, um, I feel for I feel for those people, especially yeah. you know if they've had a you know, situation in the, in the past where maybe they've they've kind of restricted too much and then yeah. they just don't have an appetite anymore. Sure. Um, you know, we've all seen people that have, have been on the, like, you know, doing a lot of shitloads of cardio in the off-season and not eating any carbs and stuff, yeah. you know, uh, like it's still popular in the gyms today. Yes. And, yeah, um, yeah and before you know it, you, you bump their calories up to 2,000 and they're struggling and you're like, come on, man, you've got yeah. loads of room to grow. Yeah, yeah, so so I let's talk a little bit about your methodologies sort of behind prep and mm-hmm. you know the, the the diet approach and and how you exp- approach sort of expenditure as well. And I'm, for people to have a bit of a background, I've I've followed Ben's forum on natural muscle for a, a long, long time, and I was I was reading it a lot when I was I was prepping as well as a little bit of motivation because you do discuss the bad days with the good days on there, which is you know great yep. for someone to read, but. So let's approach um, your general ideas behind uh, diet and how it's potentially changed over the last sort of, you know, 10 years really of competing. 
um, what you initially started with and maybe what you've found optimal now in this prep. I know that you've made some slight adjustments, especially with ratios in this prep that yes, have been yeah. a little bit different to past prep. So if you could just discuss mm-hmm. that, it'd be great. Yeah, of course. Cool. So, I mean, I've, I was lucky enough to meet Lee Kemp, the, the president of the UK, the FBA, right when I first started training, really. Yeah, he was, um, he was telling me about this the other weekend. Yeah, yeah, the guy has probably told you some stories. Um, <laughs> but yeah, he's t- he he's took me under his wing, you know, yep. from day one. Um, I remember be- going to my first ever bodybuilding show, um, really nervous and thinking, like, what the hell? It's only, in fact, I live about two minutes from where that venue is now. And um, I remember meeting Lee because Lee was on the forum, the, the Natural Muscle Forum, and that's where I stumbled across natural bodybuilding. Sure. Um, and he put this post up about this local show, the Mr. Coventry Show. Yeah. And I thought, oh, man, that's just at the road. I'll, I'll go check it out. And it's basically um, you had to be training in a, a gym in Coventry or the surrounding area, and you could enter the show. So I went there, and I met Lee, and, yeah, basically he took me under his wing from that day and said, man, you, you should should do this show you know next year do it um and yeah it was the year after that i i competed he helped me with my prep um and from day one he's kind of taught me the the old school way to to eat to train um for, for bodybuilding yep. you know knowingly you know he's seen thousands of people prep for shows and fads come and go and he, he sticks with the bare basics really um <laughs> same with his training as well um I've I've had Lee put me through numerous training sessions and they're always growers, you know. You, you're always walking away thinking, yeah, man, that that, that did it. <laughs> and uh, yeah, he's, he's always got a trick up his sleeve. So um, yeah, so uh, my first ever prep, very similar to what I'm doing now, um, a base diet um, that you can kind of follow and enjoy. I, I'm not a massive, uh, you know, follower of the the flexible diet i think it's great flexible dieting for someone that's wanting to lose a little bit of body fat sure general um, population kind yeah of yeah really really good and really good knowledge for people that think that you know carbs are, are going to kill you and fats are going to you know yes. it's it just teaches people a lot okay and people can learn what's in their food etc but for someone who's wanting to go to extremes um really extremes and let's face it unhealthy levels of body fat you need to be pretty uh, on the ball with everything that goes into your body. And for, personally, I, I'm not one to sit and track food every day and work out what I can and can't eat. I'm, I like to have my meals set out days in advance, cook a, few, a big batch of food and just grab and go as you go, you know, for days on end and then do the same again. There's no thought process behind it. I generally, a very typical diet, five to six meals per day, um, enough protein, enough fats and then as much carbohydrate as i can get away with yeah um and then yeah when it's time i've got to cut down some more carbs to to get some more body fat off down they come because there's no room to take out any more fat there's no room to take out any more protein um it's just shaving down those carbs get as lean as humanly possible a couple of weeks before the show and then just cruising eating maintenance job done sounds pretty much picture perfect um, yeah and yeah I, I think what you say there what i'd like to maybe highlight is that is the the thought process that you are removing from from the meals and the eating etc because mm-hmm. i think what a lot of people do especially with the, the more flexible approach 
is they, they and I've been there, done that. You know, 2015 was a very flexible contest prep for me. And yeah. my food focus was ridiculous. You know, I'd think about what I could fit in on this day. I'd spend all day on bloody my fitness pal. But, yeah. you know, I've seen it on your forum. Like, if you make a change, your change mm. is re- reduction of something from one meal. And that's yeah. it. That's all yeah. you do. You don't even look at, you know, the my, ma- my macros or my fitness pal. No. You just a reduction from a meal. That's it. And then simple. the next very day... Simple. Yeah, the next day you grab that meal from the fridge and it seems like the same meal. It's just 10 carb less, 20 carb you don't less. Even, you don't even realise until you, you know, one day... You sit and eating your meal at work, and someone goes, "Why haven't you got any rice today?" And you're like, oh, "I've been shaving it down the last few months." <laughs> it's as simple as that. I mean, I look, I look to lose. Um, you, you know, you pace yourself in uh, to not peak too early. Yep. I, I may have peaked a little bit early this year. Um, and yes, yeah, <laughs> yeah. You, you come, you come in, and um, you know you want to lose half a pound or a pound a week. And sure. if you don't hit that weight, you take a little bit of food out, and it's a little bit. You know, it might be twenty grams of carbs something like that you know um it might be you know a little bit of fat if you've got some fat to spare it, it doesn't really matter um you've just got to very slowly be in a deficit and then progressive overload main is maintained and those two things in combination that's just when the magic happens if you're getting stronger and getting lighter slowly it's yeah perfect that's a good yeah. thing yeah have you experimented with uh, different amounts of weight that you've lost over prep? So, for example, have you in one prep lost a large amount of weight in sort of one slog? or And, and then in other preps, have you sort of gotten off a bit of weight and then done the rest in another phase? Have you sort yeah. of set up preps from a weight loss perspective? Yeah. So, as I mentioned earlier, I met Lee in um, 2007. He was like, do the, do the, be the teenage uh, competitor in the Mr. Coventry the next year. I was like, yeah, I'll do that. And he gave me some brilliant advice, um, diet and training. And this is the only time when I didn't listen to him. <laughs> and I, I was doing fasted cardio first thing in the morning, um, training with weights six days a week in the evening, zero carb, uh, chicken and broccoli every two hours, like set your alarm, uh, just complete bro. Like I couldn't, I couldn't be more bro. And it's, uh, yeah, I, I lost a lot of weight very quickly yeah. and looked like crap. Like I, I didn't even look like I trained and I was like, uh, I didn't even look leaner. I think I, I, I just looked like I was gaining body fat. You know, I must have lost muscle so quick. Yeah. And I, I remember going to the gym. I used to bust to the gym I used to get home from, uh, school or college and yeah, I, I just used to jump on a bus and I think it was two hours to the to the gym and I could barely stay awake on the bus and then I'd I'd walk on the other end for like half an hour walk to the gym wow. then I'd get to the gym I'd have nothing left and then I'd walk and it would take me all evening to go to the gym little did I know there was a decent gym just around the corner oh but my god yeah yeah what an idiot <laughs> but yeah no I, I took this bus route and it used to take me yeah I used to leave at four o'clock come back at ten at night and I'd only oh. train for an hour hour and a half and it, yeah, and I remember doing that and just being wiped out. Couldn't even lift a weight when I was there, and yeah. I just pulled the plug on that prep. And then Lee said, "Yeah, this, this is why I gave you the advice that I gave you." And I was thinking, right. And then since then, I've just listened to him. And yeah, he almost knows me better than I know myself. Yeah. Especially during the depths of prep, when like you know, one week before the Heart of England last time I was competing, he came around to my house and had a look at me and was like, 
yep, you could step on stage right now and you'd probably win. And I, I was like, oh, no, no. And I was like, I was ready to tell him that I'm ready to pull the plug on this prep because I thought, thought that I looked terrible or oh. felt terrible. And he was like, there's no way you're not going to be uh, a champion by the end of this year in some capacity. Hmm. And I was, it was like, what, what are your expectations? I was like, oh, I want to, I want to, you know, get top three in my qualifier class, you know, weight class. And he was like, right, we'll just, yeah, turn up next week then. And uh, yeah, he, he just knows he doesn't beat around the bush, Lee. He's no. just like, yeah, you never try and get sympathy off Lee. He, uh, yeah, he won't Has he ever it. told you you're behind or you don't look good or anything no, like that? No, never. No, <laughs> no. I, I do. I get ready early. Yeah. Um, I tend to. I mean, I don't. I don't get massively heavy in the off season. I do initially, and then it comes back down a little bit. Yeah. But where I do mean, you sort I start, of hover? I think eighty-two um, kilos. Um, I compete at seventy-four-ish. Oh, okay. Um, so, so yeah, I, kilos. Yeah, yeah, and. I think the first one to two kilos comes off pretty quick. Yeah. And then I start looking. It's like that. those two kilos transforms me from just an off-season guy that but doesn't look like he trains to the waist comes down so much in that two kilos. Yes. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, and then, and then just everything's starting to come together really quickly. And now I'm at 77. I'm starting to see glutes. Start, the, the backs come in pretty much. And it yeah. just comes together so quick. Yeah. But then for me to get the glutes properly in, hamstrings properly in, it's a slog all the way now. Yes. I'm going to need every week, uh, every pound. Uh, and I always lose a little bit of fullness of the body as well. But mm. that's just genetics for you, isn't it? Yeah, I can totally relate with the, the whole transformation very fast thing. Because I think whenever you're in a surplus, even if it's gradual and slight surplus, you, mm-hmm. just, you just carry a film of crap and you just yeah <laughs> you just don't yeah. look as good and then even within two weeks three weeks of yeah. dieting you regain some of that insulin sensitivity back you know you eat a carbohydrate meal and instead yeah. of feeling a bit sleepy you actually feel like fuck let's go yeah um let's get a good pump on that's the one that's the one thing about the off season that gets a bit monotonous is just mm-hmm. you actually kind of feel a little bit better when you're first month or so into dieting yes um, i agree yeah, yeah that first when you're you're just maybe approaching single digit body fat or or maybe you know low teens you yeah. feel real healthy you know everything's firing you still got your strength you're starting to look lean and that is that nice balance but that's not a that's not the best environment to build muscle no as we no. know we, we need yeah. to be a little bit uncomfortable yeah um a in, a, in a good surplus yeah and it's funny, actually, I've never once, um, being my, my the rebounds I've had after preps, um, I've never once had a structured off-season wow. to the point of I've never, um, you know, gained a little bit of weight, you know, after a show and then been in the calorie surplus. No, I've, I've literally gone, binged out, been in a big surplus and then tried to crawl it back for six months, found a bit of a a kind yeah. of you know a ground where maybe a, a stone stone and a half over and then i'm a bit happier then so yeah, I, I mean i'm really intrigued to see what would happen if yeah, you structured that phase this is what i'm going to do this year is i've yeah. made it priority to really yeah. um you know yeah just just do things properly in the off season from yeah. from day one set yourself up as well yeah for yeah. sure um, so we, we spoke a little bit about training already in terms of your approaches and methodologies there. 
In terms of when you're in a diet and a deficit phase, you know, I know you're a huge fan of doing the basics, doing your squats, mm-hmm. deadlifts, bench press, etc. Do you find that any of those movements start giving you a little bit less bang for the buck? Do you find that any leverages start to change like in a poor fashion that makes a squat really uncomfortable or a bench press not so beneficial, things like that when you're really lean? Yeah, I, I think so. In the latter stages, um, you, so take a squat, for example, you know, your waist is re- super thin, mm. yeah, super small, and you, you're wearing this belt that's really uncomfortable and you, you feel wobbly all over the place. Your, your squat weights are way down from yeah. the off-season. Yeah. Uh, it's really off-putting and almost every rep feels a bit of a grinder. Yeah. Um, but I think that's pretty normal the last few weeks. And I have in the past... Um, you know, gone, man, I'm just going to stack that leg press and, you know, I'm going to feel like locked in and I'm, I can just get the job done there. Um, but that's once or twice. And I've, I've just kind of thought, no, it's, it's not doing the same thing. There's something about a squat, something about a deadlift that just holds onto that tissue. Yeah. And I know that 90% of people, when they have that decision, you know, three weeks out, they're going to go, nah, we're going to go for a hack squat. Yeah. yeah, um, yeah. And I want to be that guy that's going, no, I'm going to be lifting. I'm going to be trying to go for my off-season PB. Like, why not? You know, why not? And sometimes you surprise yourself and you yep. just do. You just you just fire up on that day. Um, as long as it's not, you know, unsafe and you're, you're rounding over during deadlifts and stuff just to try and stay, you know, strong on them. It's, you're not deadlifting then, really, are you? But, sure. Yeah. You know, um, no. I, I Every lower body session, squats and deadlifts. Okay. Um, every upper body session, heavy benching, heavy barbell rows. And they, I don't compromise with that at all. Yeah. You know, I don't uh, swap them in for, you know, hammer strength machines or any, any machines for that matter. It's, it's heavy basics. And I think, uh, something to be said for people that heavy barbell lifts to build that density. When you do diet down, you then stand out. Yeah. 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 I do agree. And I think in this day and age, I mean, even even with myself now, with the well, with the wealth of knowledge out there and differing knowledge, mm-hmm. it's quite easy to get distracted with new movements that can look beneficial. Yeah. But in reality, are they are they actually you know for the for the gain in slight stimulus that you're getting? Are you actually dropping out an exercise that just from an overall body composition perspective is better. Um, and also from like a movement perspective, I think being able to squat, deadlift and bench and OHP really well is just yeah. great from an overall movement perspective. Um, like, you know, if you if you run like a hack squat for a period of time and you go back to squatting, your squat pattern is all over the shot. Yeah, you've it takes used a to long time on, to go back. Yeah, you're used to being on something that does the movement for you. It holds you into the movement for you. Mm-hmm. Um, which you know at some sometimes it's okay and if yeah, especially you think like around injuries and yes. yeah. if people have certain you know I, i'm built to squat i'm quite short you know yeah. i'm only five foot seven um, squatting comes naturally to me deadlifts maybe not so much um but i've i've always deadlifted from mm. from day one and it, that's why it feels natural to me yeah. um benching short leverages brilliant yeah that's good for me and barbell rows i just just feel great with them overhead pressing with a barbell heavy dips chip you know they they all kind of suit there are certain movements and it more so things like the hack squat and the leg press that i just don't get on with interesting as much. yeah interesting. You, know, uh, you know i've got really bad ankle flexibility and things like a hack squat i end up trying to come up on my tiptoes and sure it just just doesn't work for me so yeah. 
I think practicing those movements over the last 10 to 15 years, uh, you just, you just find a way. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I agree. Um, so yeah, going into a little bit, actually, I had a question on training. Um, mm-hmm. someone asked it on Instagram as well. What exercise do you think built your glutes the most? Yeah, I knew that one was coming. Um, <laughs> So I've always had big glutes. I remember yeah. walking around at school in, you know, as a kid. Um, <laughs> but that was massive, massive ass. You know, just walking, walking around, disproportionate. Um, you know, and in the off season, it's terrible. You know, I'm, you know, trying to find trousers. Like I've got quite a small waist. Mm-hmm. Like uh, even in the off season, I'm I'm like 34 inch waist mass uh, maximum. Wow. And then, then yeah, trying to find trousers that fit is terrible. Yeah, yeah. And I'm short as well, so I'm, I'm having to wear flares. Like, yeah. you know, it's really bad <laughs> walking around in shorts all day. Um, so, yeah, no, it, squats, deadlifts, leg pressing. Um, I don't do any isolation for glutes. Um, wow. I just do, don't, unless you've got weak glutes, there is no need. Yes, you know, yeah, yeah. If, you can, if you're squatting with the intensity that you train at, um, how are you not engaging your glutes? You know, going to have uh, to do dead, something. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You can't take your glutes out of a squat. You know, you're very, very hard to do a barbell squat without firing your glutes up. Um, <laughs> same with heavy leg pressing, heavy, um, deadlifts and those three movements. Um, I would be happy if I could only do those three movements for lower body, um, maybe some calf raises in there as well. Yeah. yeah um, yeah that would that would be adequate and i would keep progressing um that you don't need much more than that i think maybe a you know a knee flexion you know, some sort of leg curl that's it mm. um, anything more than that is just kind of fluff it's one yeah. percent here and there sure absolutely yeah. that makes sense i think you know the main point to take away from that is you know you were gifted good pair of glutes yeah yeah yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. and i think from a from a dieting down standpoint, you know, and, and actually getting them striated, the way yep. that you've got them striated is is very much down to obviously one removal of body fat, but two, yep. the amount of tissue that you do have there. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it, it's a lot of people can well, actually, very few people can get as lean as you need to to, to see that. But yeah. when when people do get there, if they don't have the glute tissue, they will just not have the glute. Exactly, there. you can't um, you can't striate body fat Nothing. you know yes, it's, yeah. you've got to have a lot of tissue there and that that goes for any anyone with a freaky body part it's because they've got a lot of muscle there you yeah. know it's it's not because they've trained it a certain way or you know dieted a certain way and yeah. Um, yeah i think glutes are one of those things that is the it's the standard now isn't it to have striated glutes if, if you're on a stage a competitive stage with no glutes you're not going to do well you know, uh, judges will look and wait for you to turn around and then they start judging yes, you know, these yes. days. You know, they don't, it's not the only factor, but it's a big one. Yeah. You know, it shows how lean you are. Um, so I, I just think you've got to keep digging. And even if you've got to lose a bit of size, you're going to look bigger for it, you yeah. know, because you're going to be leaner. Yeah. And yeah, you've got to keep that strength up in the, in the basic lifts um, mm. and keep that deficit going yeah. until they're there yeah yeah absolutely out of interest is there anyone in the sport that you and you mentioned a few at the start being you know, mm-hmm. john harris skip lacour etc that you you know got training principles off and and sort of looked up to a little bit but is there anyone in the sport 
maybe now or in the past that you have sort of seats uh, a little bit of inspiration from or looked up to at all what a question so many man so many <laughs> I, I still i'm still a kid when it comes to bodybuilding i still i still think there's a secret out there you know i still i still look <laughs> I, I, I um, and get inspired by you know people competing the list is huge it's huge but yeah just just taking the local guys i train at rich gosdecker's gym oh, okay um, yeah. yeah i see the guy on a daily basis and the guy is the the one of the best bodybuilders one of the best guys out there in the sport yeah. such a humble guy down to earth hard working you won't find many people working that hard in the gym in fact when i was training legs uh, just the other day he was there um having a just a tickle he said um but he was like hack squatting i don't i can't even remember what weights it was and he was like oh yeah i'm just gonna take it easy today and he ended up doing like a five drop set into like, <laughs> his volume you know, is like so unbelievable fucking thousand rep leg workouts <laughs> and then like barely breaking a sweat as well legs on him are ridiculous yeah, like yeah. even now like off season bit injured like he's, he's a freak so yeah i mean rich gozdecki um definitely is, is one of the guys at the moment that you just you can't help but be inspired of course um john harris who our first you know um it was the first natural bodybuilder that i ever came across mm-hmm. um and again a great guy to talk to very humble very down to earth um and you know pro world champion as well he was i was like man that's that's crazy and he's from the uk you know um before many WMBF pros were around in the uk Mm. Um, can you remember Rob Hope back in the day? Yes, um, I can. yeah, Rob yep. Hope, Nigel Davis, yeah, um, and then obviously the guys in the BMBF now, which you know David Kay, Nate yep. Williams, yep. Uh, Mark Claxton, yep. you know, loads of loads of guys, um, Mark Oakes. Mm-hmm. The, list, the list goes on, man. Yes, uh, but yeah, any anyone who's got that kind of um, that leanness with a, a lot of muscle, it, it's just crazy. Yes. And then there's all the Americans as well. You've got guys like Brian Whitaker, Doug yeah. Miller, you know. Yeah. Man, there's so many. And that's why yeah. I love this sport, man. It's, they're normal people, normal guys. If you talk to them, they're just family yes. guys that work hard and they've got this hobby that they just excel at. Yeah. And that's, that's awesome, man. Yeah, I agree. That's what I love about it as well. Um, whenever you meet them, you're kind of shocked that you can just – 